Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. Today's episode, our week five picks against the line. Episode 85 here. Connor, bringing back my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, what's poppin', Benny? What's poppin'? We're gonna get right to business in this one. We just, you know, I'm starting to get podcasted out. Our, my voice is getting raspy. <laughs> we just recorded our episode 84. If you uh, don't have time to listen to that one before the week five slate of games, I would definitely recommend and go back to that. We had some really good discussions about just kind of the quarter season takeaways for fantasy football and the season in general. Um, also kicked it off with the, uh, some amateurish baseball analysis i I thought you know i had some i had some misspoken information i feel like in that in that baseball analysis and i felt kind of embarrassed that i didn't know more but the fact is like the 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 message of that was just like the postseason for baseball just really hits you fast we're already starting on quick we're already starting well into the first round of the playoffs for baseball and i haven't seen as much as i would like and you know we were recording that that last podcast the red sox were down five four now they're up 11-6, so things swing in a heartbeat in the playoffs for the baseball season. Um, yeah. And I would definitely, if you're if you're not a baseball fan, uh, but a sports fan, I would definitely recommend catching some some postseason baseball this year because there are some really exciting players playing in Major League Baseball right now. I think our most valuable segment out of that last pod is going to be the uh, handcuff draft that we did. Just talking about the most valuable handcuffs for the rest of the fantasy football season because they've already had a a large impact in the first quarter of the season. And I think that's the type of segment that if you listen to and actually take advantage of, it could end up winning you your fantasy football league. And for a lot of people, that's hundreds or thousands of dollars. So that's the Definitely. type of segment that if you have 20 minutes and you want to skip through our amateur baseball assessment and uh, just our week week four takeaways and get right into that, I highly suggest it. Definitely, definitely. All right, Connor, let's get right to it. We missed the Thursday night game. Uh, we were both on the Rams, so we picked that one good. We're, we're starting the season on, on a high note here. Let's keep it going. We were really good in our picks against the Lions last week. I was actually, I think, 12-4. and four. I uh, I missed cal- – I didn't calculate what year what, what you were at, but I think you had a good week as well. I assume um, it was perfect. So. <laughs> yes, Moving good on. assumption. Good assumption. <laughs> uh, let's kick it off with the London game. You know, this is a weird matchup. The New York Jets taking on the Atlanta Falcons. It's a quote-unquote home game for the Falcons. You know, kind of a, a tough spot here for them. You know, they – they get an extra game 17 games their extra 17th game was a road game for the falcons so they actually only get 17 seven home games at in in the the is it the george mercedes mercedes benz stadium in in atlanta they only get seven games actually in their home field this year in a 17 Um, game season in a 17 game season so Really a tough spot for them. They start the season 0-4. They have to travel across the pond now to London, facing off. And, and you know, all the stories about the London games really just throws the body clock off. Did you um, think the Falcons were 0-4? I think they're 1-3. They won last they, week, right? Oh, they beat the Giants. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, or two uh, weeks pet- ago, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Two weeks ago, they, they beat the Giants in the last second field goal. Um, and, and, you know, they're, <laughs> they go into this matchup favored, favored by three points. Atlanta, the spread is Atlanta minus three. The over under point total forty six, and you know the the storyline the last day. I think today was the news that it came out. You know, it's Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage not making the trip to London. Calvin Ridley with some personal problems. I think Russell Gage is uh, fighting off a small a small injury. So neither neither starting wide receiver for the Falcons will be making this game. 
really tough spot here for the Falcons. They're going to be relying on more of their, you know, their prized possession. For My favorite player and MVP of the league. Cordero, Cordero Patterson. Patterson, baby. Let's it's go. It's going to be the Patterson show, buddy. It's going to be the Patterson <laughs> show. Um, Get him in your DFS lineups. Trade for him now, people. Value only going up. Buy those rookie cards. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, – I'm going to cut right to it here, though. I, I like the Jets plus three. I think this is a good matchup for them. You know, there's a lot of public pessimism around uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets offense. But when, you, you know, you're looking at their, their total success rates over the last three weeks, Atlanta has actually been worse over the last three weeks. So taking away week one of the season, the Falcons ranked 29th in success rate. That's 42 percent. The Jets ranked 26, so 43%. This is kind of a stinker of a matchup. Um, but, you know, New York's defense has been improving. They looked good last week. I think they got seven sacks against Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans offensive line. The, the Jets, you know, it's going to be expected that their defense improves. You know, Robert Sala, the head coach coming from San Francisco, has a defensive pedigree. He was a great defensive coach, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. And he comes into New York for a season. It's it's understandable and, and almost um, an assumption that their defense will improve as the season goes on. Quinn Williams looked great last week for the Jets. Um, and like I said, 17, seven sacks, 14 quarterback hits against Tannehill. The defense right now currently ranks 10th in True Media's EPA per play metric. They should be able to stifle Atlanta's offense enough um, that, you know, I think that they're uh, with with the Falcons gone without their, their two of their top pass catchers, you know, Ridley and Gage. I think Atlanta's offense is going to struggle to score enough points. Patterson, though, so, you know. I know. I was, about, I was about to say, like, they're two top, but it's not their two top. It's two of their top because Patterson's a top guy. Pitts is still, a, you know, a talented guy. Maybe a DFS value just because of the volume, but um, I actually kind of like the under here, too, for Atlanta's team total, 23 and a half is the Falcons team total. I think if anything, um, you know, under 46 is probably where I'd lean on the game total, but if anything, I, I like the team total for Atlanta more under 23 and a half. But give me the Jets plus three. Yeah, I'm picking it the same way, you know, for the, a lot of the same reasons. The, the Falcons offense comes in dinged up. Um, Kyle Pitts should be fine. If he's on your fantasy roster, you, you luckily spent an early round draft pick. You're still starting him. Um, but I'm not optimistic about what this team could do against the Jets. The Jets have been a team, you know, you'll see in almost every single one of our DraftKings lineups on a weekly basis because they continue to be priced too low compared to their perceived value as an actual defensive roster. I get that they're a bad team, but their defense isn't bad. And I think they can do enough in this game against an injury riddled Falcons offense uh, to win and to win um, pretty easily, to be honest, you know, it's, it's weird to say that about a Jets team led by Zach Wilson, but you know Wilson looked decent last week, and so we'll, we'll hopefully. I still liked him as a quarterback. Um, definitely after definitely. the preseason, I, I would not sour enough. on him too soon. I definitely yeah. would not want to sour on him too soon. And Corey Davis is somebody that should be in your lineup. I want to make that clear. Somebody who's he he's the number seventeen fantasy wide receiver. He was, you know, a top thirty guy last year with nine hundred eighty. Or 86 yards um, receiving on the season. And once again, he's the top target on this team. I get that Jamison Crowder is back, but that didn't do anything but actually open up the offense more for Corey Davis last week. Another game where he goes over 100 yards. He should be on your roster. Definitely. He should be in your starting roster. Let me, let me actually clarify that. <laughs> no, I like that. All right, next matchup, Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Panthers are favored by three points here. 45 is the over-under point total. 
this projects to be one of the more evenly matched games of the week, I think. Um, a game that I'm really looking forward to watching. And, uh, Carolina suffered last week their first loss of the season against the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys kind of exposed some of their defensive deficiencies. But the Panthers' offense did tr- do their best to keep pace. They they actually led at the half 14-13. to 13. Donald had two first-half rush touchdowns. I think he has five touchdowns rushing over the first four weeks of the season. That is uh, an unprecedented rate of rushing touchdowns for the new Carolina uh, Panthers quarterback, uh, a rate that he probably definitely can't keep up. But, you know, something to be said about uh, Donald last week, he had two, the two touchdowns. He also had a 54% success rate overall in the game on offense. So, you know, the, the, the thing with the Panthers was their defense was their backbone and they were ranked first in DVOA to start the year early on. I think the Buffalo bills now have that crown, but, um, the, the, the Panthers' defense, you know, suffered the injury to J.C. Horn. They go out and get Stephon Gilmore. They're really trying to make some efforts, some, you know, non-noticeable efforts. I don't think he plays this week. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's encouraging that the Panthers are trying to make these moves as a franchise to compete now. I think they have a good roster. They might not have, you know, a roster that's ready to contend just yet, but they're positioning themselves for success going forward. Um, this week, though... It's it's a question to be had because you know the Eagles might be coming into this matchup a little bit underrated. Last week their offense they had thirty first thirty first downs, no punts, four hundred sixty one yards total, thirty points against a Kansas City's defense that was I mean they're ranked dead last in DVOA right now. So um, you know they had also three touchdowns called back for penalties. Um, you know the Eagles are the league's most penalized team this season by far actually they have 10 more penalties than the next worst team so they're kind of an up and down roller coaster of a team but that kind of makes for some exciting football maybe a potential cover here um, plus three keeping it within a one score game you know within a pointer to one to three points i think that's definitely possibly in the cards for you know the philadelphia eagles what are your thoughts here in this matchup connor well, Ben, I have to ask you because this is one of the things you challenged me on earlier in the week is my ranking of the Philadelphia Eagles week over week. I bumped them up in my rankings, even though they got destroyed by the Chiefs. Yeah. It sounds like you kind of turned a tide on the Eagles, actually, after doing some further analysis on their success on offense last they, week. They come across as a team that's a little bit unorganized. Um, and I think Nick Sirianni is, is trying to figure out his way for this team. Um, and he's off to a, a like i said an up and down start here they have some things to be encouraged about but they also have a lot of things to be concerned about their defense i, I love their talent you know you, you talk about something you like but then yeah. again you talk about their penalties on the other hand they're, they lack discipline and i guess that's what you can kind of expect from a first year coach he you know he doesn't have quite the same control of the locker room but i like the player decision moves that he's making so far yeah i mean you look at the defensive line stats, they, they've been really struggling on the defensive line. They're they're 31st right now in adjusted line yards. They're really not stopping the run. Um, and the, the thing is they're relying on is um, their secondary has actually been pretty adequate. They're, they're 23rd in pass protection. So, I mean, their pass rush is a little bit better than their, their run stop rate. But... Um, the secondary is actually doing pretty good in fantasy. When you look at the opposing wide receivers, they're I think they're like 11th in, in points allowed to opposing wide receivers. So you know they're above average in that sense. But um, they're when you when you give up so many chunk yards, so many t- chunk runs, chunk yardage runs, um, it kind of 
it really doles down your defense's ability to get off the field. Uh, and I believe the Eagles right now, um, they're fifth right now in pace of play on offense and they're third in explosive play rate. So they're doing really well on offense with explosiveness, um, but they, they clearly they want to play faster. But that means that the defense is going to be on the field a lot. So that's kind of where this game comes down to for me. Um, when you're watching this matchup, Keep an eye on the pace of play because I think the Eagles want to play faster. They want they want the ball to be moving quickly. They want to score fast, but Carolina wants to slow it down. Carolina, they um, they have off they they're first in the league right now in average time of possession, thirty four. They right now their offense has had the ball thirty four minutes and forty eight seconds on average per their first uh, four games, and they're twenty eighth in pace of play. So clearly, there's kind of a different style here for their offenses. Um, and despite no Christian McCaffrey again here, they still had last week with no McCaffrey a 63% success rate running the football against the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys defense is much improved this season. So the Panthers are going to be trying to slow the ball down, get, you know, chunk yardage plays with their running game, keep the clock moving. And the, the Eagles are going to be trying to do the opposite. So keep an eye on how that kind of balances out. I think that's going to be a good indicator on who's going to win this football game. And if you see in the first half that one, the game is going one way or the other, I think that's going to bode well for maybe second half life betting. Yeah. And I think the thing that, you know, we like about getting the points with the Eagles too, is that, this offense has shown enough that even when they get down, they can kind of close the gap. So even if they don't necessarily win this game, having those three extra points on the side, just in case they get down big and end up closing the gap with Hertz, who's shown to be very successful throwing the ball from behind, you know, it it gives you just a little bit of extra cushion if you're going to go them in this game. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think the matchup to watch here is going to be Carolina's offensive line that ranks 30th in pass block win rate. And the Eagles' defensive line. Um, I, I talked about how their defensive line has been struggling a little bit in, in their in their uh, running stop, the run stoppage. But they are eighth in adjusted sack rate. So you keep an eye keep an eye on Philadelphia's pass rush and how that impacts the game. Making Donald uncomfortable would be crucial for them. I haven't seen this game prop out yet, but I would keep an eye on Sam Donald's sack total. I kind of like it over. I think it probably ends up at two and a half or so. I would probably like the over on that. Uh, This is a good matchup for an Eagles pass rush that needs to get back on track here. And uh, that combined with the fact that Carolina is fifth in average plays per game, 68 and a half. There's going to be a lot of volume for opportunity for potential sacks against Darnold. I think the over on on, uh, Sam Darnold's sack total should be a good bet in this one. Um, And then in in the game, you know, I'm going to take Philadelphia plus three. Carolina was a team that I kind of faded over the last over last week against Dallas because I think their early success was predominantly, I don't think it was against predominantly lackluster opponents. Um, And the Eagles have plenty of flaws in their own right, but I contest that they're more than capable of competing with the Panthers in this game. If this game goes to plan, I think the Eagles also correlate to the over on the 45 point total for them. Yeah. And and if Christian McCaffrey actually does play that 45 over, he's he's he's, he's definitely out. Yeah. so he's 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 not if for a chance he happens to play i love that over even more but yeah i didn't see the doubtful designation yet i almost saw questionable all right so we're plus three um philadelphia eagles plus three you're both on that one all right next matchup miami dolphins taking on the tampa bay buccaneers in tampa bay the buccaneers are favored by 10 points laying a double digit point total to the miami dolphins who were horrendous last week against the indianapolis colts the over under point total 48 and a half 
Any thoughts here for the uh, two Florida teams here, Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I just have not liked the way that Miami has looked this season, especially with Jacoby Brissett as quarterback. You know, they, they absolutely got demolished against the Bills. And I would put the Bills in a similar tier as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I think last week to the Colts, they lost by 10, which is where this line is set. And I think Tampa Bay is a significantly better team than the Colts. Um, So just based on those two outcomes with Jacoby Brissett still, uh, running this offense and you know I, it's been a weird setup Malcolm Brown's getting a majority of the carries I don't think he's that talented I'm questioning why Miles Ma- Gaston's not being involved in this offense um, so you know I just I, this team looks disjointed they're injured and for that reason I just I like Tampa Bay Tampa Bay beat the Pats you know by only a couple points last week but I think that was largely impacted by the uh, the environment you know the fact that they were in new england the fact that it was a rainy weather game definitely you know caused some issues for that team and it could have been an even bigger game if uh antonio brown comes down with one of those two deep shots to the end zone yeah, so good point um you know I'm, I'm leaning tampa bay here i know it's a big spread but i just think that they're in a completely different class of team yeah um p- part of me is with you here uh i just have a feeling that look i, I think that um there's a really good chance that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers come on and just dominate this game and score a lot of points and keep the offense rolling and come off the you know that was a big mo- that was a big motivating win for them last week against the the uh, the New England Patriots. Clearly, Tom Brady had a lot emotion of an emotional investment in that in that game and the outcome of it. Um, but for me, you know that point total plus, um, minus ten. Part of me thinks that you know Miami last week on. They they're on offense they they outplayed the Indianapolis Colts. They had a better offensive game. They had a fifty two percent success rate compared to the Colts thirty nine percent. And the Colts just ran eighteen more plays in them on offense. So the, it was just poor poor management game management for the Dolphins last week. Um, you know the Dolphins managed just one field goal and five total first downs in their first seven possessions. They started the game off really slow. And, you know, a lot of their offensive stats last week, I gave you those stats, but a lot of more garbage time stats. And that's what my handicap here is. I think that, you know, the Bucks get out big, get out to commanding lead, and then kind of dial it back. And I, I think Miami has a backdoor cover here. I think Brissett's going to be able to at least keep the offense competent enough to cover it on, in a, maybe a backdoor, backdoor late, late fourth quarter touchdown. I, I'm, I'm not banking on it, um, and, and I don't think it's a smart – like I'm not gonna put personal dough on this, but you know, force to pick against the line here. I'm taking Miami plus ten. I think that a backdoor a backdoor cover in the late in the fourth quarter could definitely be in the cards. Yeah, my only point against that is I just don't think Tom Brady is putting together a backdoor type of season. I think he's in in complete blowout mode when he can. I think he wants to rack up the stats. I think he wants to break records this year. I, I again, I think he wants to prove everybody wrong um, that doubted him in New England and that thought he should have retired when Bill thought he should have retired. So I think yeah. I think he continues to roll. And yes, I'm personally invested in him as my fantasy quarterback in the league of records. So I hope it can. <laughs> yeah, Miami is eleven and five against the spread over the last sixteen games. So they've been a really good game uh, team against the spread, uh, covering a lot of their matchups over the last year or so. Um, but I feel you there. I, I mean, look, I think the the money line for Tampa Bay is a sure thing in this one. So um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to uh, take the Bucks, you know, 
they're they're not going to lose this game and i think there's a good chance they cover which is why i'm not putting personal dough on it but um i i just think that miami's Miami's offense they're not as bad as people might think and um i actually if anything i'd probably like the over on this point till you know miami's without their top cornerback in this game i believe um and you know the 48 and a half is a manageable point total i kind of like over that if i had to pick that all right, next matchup, New Orleans Saints taking on the Washington football team. In Washington, the Saints are the road favorites, minus 2.5 here. 43.5 is the over-under point total. Just two, two just two, two and two teams heading to Week 5's matchup here. A uh, NFC battle between you know two teams that neither really seem to be playing too well heading into this game. Um, the Saints lost last week to a Giants team that's uh pretty lackluster to say the least sorry connor um but you know last week was pretty disappointing for them and <laughs> they, they uh the saints had a 61 percent offensive success rate so you know where where did they go wrong last week they had you know a 46 yard touchdown pass called back because of a penalty and then the very next play Taysom hill comes in throws an interception and Really, it's just New Orleans Saints has no explosiveness. They're 32nd in explosive play rates this season. This offense is unbelievably vanilla, so bland. And I think it really bodes well for under 43.5 for this game. But um, what, are your, what are your thoughts here for this matchup between uh, the Saints and the, the Washington football team? I mean, I, I had trouble with this one, too, because like you, I, I continually doubt the Giants. So... <laughs> any team that the giants beat, I automatically think they're pretty bad, but um, I think the giants are actually a decent team this year. They've lost a lot of close games. So while the record isn't indicative of their strength, I think they are a good opponent. Um, And the saints, they tend to be very conservative this year. They're giving Alvin Kamara a lot of rushes. They don't seem to trust Jameis Winston. So I don't think this is one where Washington can capitalize on a couple turnovers or, or make a couple big splash plays. And um, they did get lucky last week with the special teams touchdown. They got the run back on the kickoff last week for a touchdown. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, and I think the Saints have a, have actually a pretty strong defense, um, yeah. despite what Daniel Jones did last week. It's weird. I mean, keep an eye on that. A matchup to watch. Um, it's going to be, you know, bring your popcorn and watch I this one. I think we can learn some things this week from this game. Um, but Washington certainly isn't the defense we thought either. And, and I'm with you here on New Orleans, but I, I had a lot of trouble picking this game. But just knowing that Washington's coming in there with Tyler Heineke, uh, he's played decent, but he's also played against a couple bad teams so far. And I just don't know if he quite has the pedigree, even that of Jameis Winston. So I, I think the Saints have the better defense um, that they've shown so far. And I think they have a more conservative offense that's less likely to turn the ball over. And and for that reason, they win this game, especially because they seem to be a little bit healthier compared to the uh, injured Washington football team, as you mentioned. Yeah, the the matchup I'm going to keep an eye on is Terry McLaurin versus Marshawn Lattimore. I think that's going to that, you know, McLaurin last week burnt um, – Posing cornerbacks for six receptions, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. He had an awesome week last week. Um, I don't know that he's going to be able to keep that going against Lattimore. And while the Saints have been boring, you know, that means that they're not really turning the ball over a lot. They've only had three turnovers, three interceptions. They have a turnover differential of plus five. I believe that's tied for third in the league, right? Third best in the league right now. 
come um and also you know just both well for the saints sean payton and the saints coming off of a loss against the spread are 65 percent, and they're 25 and 10 against the spread on the road after a loss 71.4 percent. so some things boding well for them in the gambling circles washington also really banged up coming this game uh, you know, just some guys who are questionable. Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, Darren Payne. Darren Payne, I talked about him on last week's podcast. Excellent. He's been probably the best defensive player for Washington this year thus far. So all those guys are questionable, big difference makers. It looks like Samuel's probably trending towards not playing. And then guys who are out, Deami Brown, who someone's you you've liked him a lot this year. He's out, he has a mm-hmm. knee, knee injury. He's out. And then Logan Thomas, the tight end for Washington on IR with a hamstring injury. So a lot of things to be worried about for Washington from a health perspective. They also have some banged up offensive linemen, Brandon Scherf, David Sharp, both on IR. So Really not a good spot here for the Washington football team. New Orleans minus two and a half is one of my better bets this week. All right, Connor, next matchup. Tennessee Titans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tennessee minus four and a half. 48 and a half is the over on a point total. This is a game we could probably talk very little about just because of the fact that I think the public and everybody's here knows that we're going with the Jackson. I mean, the Tennessee Jack. We're going with the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this whole storyline. You had me questioning the entire podcast and the founding of this company with yeah. the start of that sentence, Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I misspoke there. We're going with the Tennessee Titans, and there's not really much to say besides the fact that the Jaguars are a mess right now, and it's just there's there's not much to be excited about. But for me, it's just like how can you take t- t- uh, the Jaguars right now? They're just you look at the you look at the public and what their perception of the Jags right now. Just thirteen percent of public bets are getting put on the Jags right now. Just thirteen percent. So you know the the books are going to win big if the Jaguars cover the spread. I mean the the spread's stupid low. No DJ Chark. Hasn't I mean. moved all week. Hasn't, <laughs> hasn't moved all week. It, it started. I think it's. I think it started at four, maybe four and a half. It's been about the same all week. That's despite crazy. The, this, despite the Urban Meyer news, despite that's the only thing that has me worried. I'm like, why is this spread not minus six and a half, minus seven? I don't. I don't. I mean, Derrick Henry's going to go crazy. We know what this game's going to look like. No Julio, the... no AJ Brown. Does that really swing the line that big of a difference? Uh, Are those guys both ruled out again? Yeah, they both. Oh. They're both out. Oh, I, um, I think no, AJ Brown. Doesn't. AJ Brown might play. I know Julio's out. I think AJ Brown is still a game time decision. Um, but I don't Julio think is it out. does because as long as Derrick Henry is healthy, the Titans can still do what they want to do on offense, and that's run mm-hmm. the ball and run the ball early and effectively get out to a lead in this Jags defense is not stopping anything. So yeah. I don't care if Julio's healthy. I don't care if AJ Brown is healthy. I don't care if Urban Meyer is getting a lap dance in Ohio. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans are going to win this game by more than four and a half points. No, that I, I, is I'm my with analysis. You there. I'm with you there. Um, I'm taking the Titans in this matchup, obviously, but I actually kind of like the over. And my thought process here, and this is one of my favorite over-under um, picks on the week, because my thought process here is if the Jaguars, you know, if this team kind of is giving up on Urban Meyer, if they're bailing on him, not really wanting to play, be playing for a head coach who's doing these all these antics and everything, I think that impacts more or less the defense a little bit, a little bit more than the offense. I, and you know, we saw, we've seen some encouraging trends with Trevor Lawrence, who has improved week week uh, week to week. You know, he started out this season historically terrible in expected completion percentage um above above uh you know completion percentage above expected he was historically below his expected completion percentage um and he's starting to throw the ball better and the passing on this offense is improving 
And, you know, Tennessee's defense is horrendous. They're, I think they're 26th in defensive DOA, DVOA. But by the way, the Jaguars are 30th. So really a good matchup for both offenses in this game. Um, if you have Jaguars players in your fantasy lineups, I'm still not afraid to be playing them. I think the offense is going to keep it going. But I think if morale is low across the locker room, I think that impacts the, the motivation for the defense because defense is more or less a uh, – effort and and uh, energy and vibes and morale is more important for a defensive side of the side of the football you would you would you would argue you know most most would contest so i think uh i think i i like i like the over 48 and a half that's too low for this game yeah it's a, it's a great decision to um you know lavisca chanel and marvin jones should be both great options uh in this tenant or in the, the jacksonville offense uh against the tennessee defense you know, especially with DJ Chark out, you know, the, the volume for both of those yeah. guys should be great. They, Trevor Lawrence is going to sling the ball. Uh, yeah. and this should be a high scoring game. They have the eighth highest success rate on offense since week two, the Jaguars. So the offense has been getting better. So I, I, I really, I think well, the 40 that directly think, coincides with Carlos Hyde getting injured <laughs> and then using James Robinson more. It, it literally True. does. True. Which is not surprising, but that's that's something yeah. that Urban Meyer couldn't control because if he if he had his choice, he'd be still running Carlos Hyde out there fifty yeah. percent of the place. Let's go on to the next matchup. Detroit Lions taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are favored by nine and a half points. Big spread here for the Vikes. The over under point total forty nine. Last week, Minnesota battled against Cleveland, could only muster seven points, but they held the Browns to just fourteen on their own right. They had just 255 yards of total offense. Kirk Cousins had his worst week of the season, 203 yards passing, was 20 for 38 on pass attempts, one touchdown, one interception. And, you know, Dalvin Cook was not his usual dominant self. He had just a 33% success rate on nine carries, and he split the rushing workload with Alexander Madison, who had 10 carries on his own right, Probably because Dalvin Cook still is not 100% after missing week three with the ankle injury. So keep an eye on his usage in this game. I don't think it's going to matter here. Detroit, you know, their hopes of winning a game this year seem to be dwindling pretty quickly. It does not seem likely that they're going to have much of a chance here in this week five matchup. They drove the Bears last week inside. Last week against the Bears, the Detroit Lions drove inside the Bears' 10 yard line in their first three possessions, and they somehow only managed to come away with no points, two fumbles and a turnover on down. So Lions really just uh, hitting a low point in the early going here. Uh, I don't see how you could find a whole lot to be too optimistic about here for Detroit. Any thoughts coming in to this matchup against Minnesota for them? At this point, Detroit doesn't want to win football games, right? They want a high draft pick. They want to replace their quarterback Jerry Goff who they clearly kind of just took on more as a way to get rid of Matt Matthew Stafford last year um so no I, I don't believe in Detroit at this point in the season <laughs> yeah. their defense hasn't done anything to give me confidence the only thing I'm worried about and it's something you talked about earlier is, is the back end cover um you talked about that with the Miami Dolphins and I'm actually decently worried about that with Detroit because Jared Goff does have a tendency to late in games like to sling it and for some reason I I feel like the Lions definitely have a chance and um you know Minnesota is not a team that has uh are they one in three at this point like 
is a nine and a half point spread deserved. That's a pretty big spread for a I team the, that's not over 500. Yeah. I mean, from a gambling <laughs> perspective, the losses to the Cincinnati Bengals and the Arizona Cardinals are becoming less negative against their reputation. You know, those are two good teams we figured out by this point. You know, the Vikings, um, you know, they lost to the Bengals, who are three and one. And looked good last week, and their defense is the biggest surprise with them. And we haven't talked about them, but the defense for Bang for Cincinnati, I think, is fifth in DVOA right now. And then Arizona Cardinals are the last undefeated team in the in the league. So, the two of their losses for the Vikings, um, very understandable. And you, they come into this matchup, and last week, what really killed them was the pass blocking against the Browns. You know, the Browns right now they have the best, they have one of the league's best defensive pass rushes in the league. You know, but by the way, Detroit coming in this game, they're dead last in ESPN's pass rush win rate. So, the the strength with Detroit, you know, the, the, their their backbone. We talked about this in the season preview with the NFC North. Their backbone is going to be their offensive line. But this coming to this game, Panay Sewell, their first round draft pick, he's doubtful. He's not going to be playing this one. It also adds to, he's also adding to an already good handful of injuries Detroit has had on their offensive line. I really think that uh, Minnesota is a pretty good lock to cover this nine and a half point spread. I personally think, you know, Cousins was on, on an early tear to start this season and he just ran into Cleveland's buzz, buzzsaw of a defense. I think Cleveland has the best, if not one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, I anticipate, you know, Minnesota getting back on track here with a big win against the Lions. Yeah, and, you know, Justin Jefferson has looked better every single game so far. Kirk Cousins is still a decent quarterback, and, you know, going to only lose to the Cardinals by, like, what, one point was it? I mean, you have to put those losses now, as you mentioned, with a little bit more context. So if you consider early on this season, they're only one and three. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it provides a little bit more texture to why they're there and why they have a nine and a half point spread and why we're both picking Minnesota here. Um, I believe in that team. I believe that they're able to extend um, their lead enough in this game to where they could cover a nine and a half point spread because they have a very explosive offense. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be healthier this week. And if he's fully healthy and ready to go and they can actually lean on him more as opposed to Alexander Madison, who's still effective, but you know, obviously Dalvin Cook, when healthy, is the top three running back in the league. So, you know, if he's looking better this game, they should, I think, pretty easily cover a double-digit spread. All right, next matchup, Denver Broncos at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The spread in this one, Steelers minus one and a half. The over-under point total, one of the lower ones of the week, 39 and a half. When I was writing about this game and, and trying to handicap it, I went to the assumption early in the week that, you know, Drew Locke was going to be the quarterback for the Broncos, but things changed. You know, Bridgewater now cleared to re, uh, to be the starting quarterback, it looks like, for the Broncos in this matchup. He's questionable officially at this moment, but it looks like he's training towards playing, suiting up in this game, shaking off the concussion from last week. I think the fact that he's going to be giving it a go in this matchup makes this game a lot more interesting. Um, but, you know... The, the Broncos, they're they're a front runner right now to lead the league in football outsiders adjusted games lost metric. They have currently currently these are the current players on the Broncos injured reserve: Ronald Darby, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Bradley Chubb, Jose Jewell. Five of their better players across the board. Um, you know, questionable players for the Broncos heading to this game: Teddy Bridgewater, Melvin Gordon, Albert O. I can't even pronounce his last name. He's a tight end. Um, you know, the Broncos are banged up across the board. And, you know, Pittsburgh, 
enough can't be said about how people have been pessimistic on them. Big Ben has been the storyline to he, everybody's hating on Big Ben. He's one of the more talked about disappointments of the early going. And really, I think what's what's doing them in is the offensive scheming. I don't even really think it's Big Ben. I think the scheme of this offense is just incorrect. You know, you look at the stats and they're using 11 personnel, one of the league's highest rates, 81% of their plays are in 11 personnel, but they have just a 42% success rate on those plays. You look at teams that are using 11 personnel above average, the Steelers are well, uh, the league average is just 58%. And the only other teams that have success rates lower than the Steelers in 11 personnel, the Falcons, the Ravens, the Dolphins. The Falcons only use 11 personnel in 31% of their plays. Baltimore, 33%. Miami, 55%, all below league average. The Steelers have run 68 more plays out of 11 personnel than Miami. Miami is 55%. The, again, the league average, 58%. So a lot to just be scratch your head about. Like Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of talent at the quarterback position, but they're not playing to their strengths. And really it comes down to, I think they need to trade Juju Smith-Schuster. They're not using this guy correctly. He's not he's not maximizing his potential. I know he really loves it there in Pittsburgh, but he doesn't fit this offense. You know, there are two wide receiver offense. Trade your third receiver, get something of value in return for him, get a draft pick, get an offensive lineman, get something you could use. Um, it, it, does, it doesn't make sense. It's going to be addition by subtraction. Just use two receivers, use Claypool, use Johnson, and let Big Ben sling it to his out, the outside, add the extra blocker, use more 12 personnel. I just don't see how Canada is – he's the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. He's just really – he's lost in the offensive scheme of things. What your, what's your analysis for this game between the Broncos and Steelers? No, you, you, what you're saying about Juju Smith-Schuster makes complete sense. Um, we, we saw when he was unleashed on the outside across uh, from Antonio Brown, he had nearly 1,500 receiving yards, and yet they're using him like Cole Beasley in the slot, only giving him six to seven yards per target. Um, you know, he's not being utilized to his skill set, and they're not maximizing his value. He signed to a large contract. So, you know, where's their biggest efficiency? Their O-line. So completely, completely agree. It makes sense to move on from Juju. I get that, you know, integrity-wise, he's absolutely a Pittsburgh Steeler, but he just does not fit this offense with Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson soaking up the longer targets. And, you know, he could be very effective on another team. I feel for him in his offensive production this year, because he's somebody who is not living up to his potential as an NFL player. And I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will not live up to their potential in this game because of those offensive line deficiencies. You mentioned the injury worries you have about Denver. And what's great about Denver is I do think they actually have have roster depth in those positions. So you talk about Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler being injured. Well, guess what? They have Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, who I think are at least a league average to above league average wide receivers. So I'm not necessarily worried about them. And then you talk about Albert O being injured. Well, they have Noah Fant, who was a first round draft pick. Um, so I think as long as Teddy Bridgewater, and I think this, my evaluation here largely hinges on Teddy Bridgewater because I think Drew Locke is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league he's not he's not quite me he is the worst he's not nathan peterman he, well he's not well is that is nathan peterman on a team so he's not, but he's not, he's right. not him but uh, he's close to the bottom of the league so as long as teddy bridgewater though who is at least the league average so slightly above average when playing um you know at least by completion percentage he's not a necessarily aggressive quarterback, but well, surprisingly, he's he has to, to manage a team. And this year, he has with Cortland Sutton. Yeah, he's kind of unleashed. And Jerry Judy in that first game looked great. Um, 
but yeah, because of that, I am on Denver. So yeah, I, I feel you there. Um, I think this is just gonna be a sloppy game. You know, enough. Can- I'm surprised you're on Pittsburgh, Ben, because yeah. you actually really hated them all season long. Even I was early. I was kind of on them before week one when they beat the Bills, um, but then they just looked horrible since then. And you've been telling me why they've been so bad, and yet I, I'm still a little bit perplexed that you're just, picking them over Denver. I think while we're very critical critical of Pittsburgh. And it's very easy to talk down to them. Um, they, their their standard uh, their standard is higher than the average team. Like you know, they still have Mike Tomlin. They still have, you know, the 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 bones of a good team, a good franchise. And I just I think it's gonna be a sloppy game. Denver has, you know, I didn't I did not like when Vic Fangio tried to badmouth. Uh, he, he he woke up Monday morning, you know, thought about his game Sunday, went to his press conference, and had the audacity to try to badmouth. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens for running the ball on the last play of the game to get their hundredth yard um, to keep their streak going. I was like, that's just so petty. Like, get over it, dude. You, your team lost. Like, suck it. Like, you know, you just get over it. You know, take the loss. Take take your take your lumps and do better. And I just think Denver doesn't really have their priorities straight. You know, I think they're a good team, but you know, Pittsburgh, their defense is still good. You know, TJ Watt and, and um, their their defensive unit is still you know playing at a higher level above league average level i just think that they do enough here to, to win a sloppy game the, the point total is just 39 and a half so i think it's gonna be a low scoring you know in the trenches down the trenches down a dirty game and at home i think the steelers have a good chance of covering this one all right yeah fair enough does the fact that um ben comes into this game with an injury designation now change your opinion at all when is ben big ben not injured dude he, he, it's like, yeah, he has a hip injury. Did he start the season with that? Because I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Like, the guy, the the guy, the guy must be the most sore player in the NFL. Like, he just he looks like his bones are just like a, yeah, my, I, I, you know, t- hate to be a Debbie Downer, but my my dog just passed away last week. He had arthritis, you know, barely barely able to move. Like, very reminiscent of Big Ben and Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, he, he the, the, the bones, <laughs> the joints. This is the guy you're picking. This is the guy you're picking this weekend, though, man. Dude, this, this he team, looks like your dead dog, and you're picking him to win a football game. I just have a feeling the Steelers are, are – look, the Steelers <laughs> just know how to cover football games sometimes, and I think it's going to be enough. one of those games. I have a feeling about them. All right, <laughs> Green Bay Packers taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals at home are the road, I mean, home dogs. Packers going to this one minus three. The over under point total of fifty and a half. Green Bay sure knows how to win. You know that for, that week one disappointed. You know followed up by three wins in a row. Now at a three one three and one record heading into Week Five's matchup against another three and one team, the Cincinnati Bengals. Is it time to just throw away their week one performance yet? Like, is that a safe proposition? The Green Bay Packers, the week one performance against the Saints, that was just, you know, throw it away. Don't have to worry about it. Take that off of all the stat boards. Like, that's just out of the, out of the picture now. Because they're, you know, look at Matt, Matt LaFleur coming in as a head coach. He's 29-7 and seven in his 36 regular season games with the Packers as their head coach. So there's a pretty high standard of excellence here for the Packers. And they're facing a team that has been highly surprising here to start the season, the Cincinnati Bengals. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Connor? Well, as the Red Hot Chili Pepper said, give it away, give it away, give it away now. And I think that's exactly (laughs) what we can do with the Green Bay Packers week one. Um, You know, I think this team is a fantastic team. They're 13-3 last year. 
three and one now on this season. Yes, they had a blip in the road, but there was a lot of distraction in that off season. So essentially week one was their preseason week one. If you consider their season started on week two, they're three and oh, they look like a very solid team. They've one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I'm not totally convinced that Cincinnati is kind of over their losing ways. I get that they're off to a hot start, but I need to see more from them before I say that they are going to be able to cover a three point spread against the Green Bay Packers, one of the perennial better teams in the league. Yeah. Um, the Packers are, have, like I said, a high standard of excellence and they're a really good team, but coming into this game, I think Cincinnati is not getting enough credit for the way they've started this football, this football season. They, they're one of the league's biggest surprises on the year so far. They beat Jacksonville last week, sent them into a complete chaotic mess, really, from the loss. And Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Bengals, ranks fifth in completion percentage over expectation. That's an NFL next-gen stat. And the Bengals are eighth in passing success rate over the last two weeks, 55% success passing the football. Cincinnati's biggest surprise, though, has been the defense. That ranks fifth in DVOA right now. The only other defense Green Bay has faced in the top five in DVOA, the New Orleans Saints in week one. We all remember how that went, Connor. I know we could throw it away. We said we could throw it away. But look, the the, the Packers have faced a three weeks in a row pretty well below average defensive units. This is the best defense that they've faced since week one. It's going to be the biggest test of their season thus far in all likelihood. So... You know, Cincinnati comes in this game. T. Higgins is slated to play. He practiced today on Friday. Looks like he's going to be playing on Sunday. Give it a go. He missed last week. I like the addition to him. He's one of my favorite receivers in the league. I think he's just raw talent. Higgins is really, really up there. Um, And I think it's going to be a close game. You know, the Bengals have a pass attack capable of putting up points to keep up with Green Bay's offense. You know, I think Green Bay, obviously we know what their offense is capable of. But I, I think Burrow, especially with Higgins, all three receivers giving it a go, I think this could, could become a big shootout. Um, and, you know, 73% of the public bets have been on Green Bay. They're one of the public's favorites of the week. Um, and, and I just think Cincinnati's hot start deserves a little bit of attention. You know, the public was pretty quick to jump on Carolina's bandwagon, giving them a lot of the benefit of the doubt against a weak, you know, uh, slate of opponents to start the season, the Bengals have faced a more challenging slate of sch- a schedule. And I know they faced the Jaguars last week. That's taken out, taken that out. But, you know, they beat the Vikings. You know, they've, they've had some good, some good games. And I think the Bengals are a team that deserves a little bit more attention. You know, I, I don't like Zach Taylor. He's my biggest knock against Cincinnati. I think he's a really bad head coach, but he's been serving. He's been doing well this season so far. So I got to give him credit. I don't think there's really a big coaching mismatch here. I don't really like Matt LaFleur on the other side either. So I, I don't think there's really a, a coaching mismatch that's going to swing this game pretty far enough one way or the other. I'm taking the points here. Give me the home underdog Cincinnati Bengals in this one. Plus three. All right. Let's see it. You're on the pack. You're on the pack minus three in this one, huh? I can't sway you. Go, back, go baby. Can't sway you the other way, then, huh? You, I'm not. I'm not coming off of that one. No, not this week. No, Jair Alexander. Maybe, maybe by three the way. or four weeks from now, but I, 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 I can't trust the Bengals yet. Just personal affliction. I've trusted them too, too early previously and gotten burned. So you know. No, I'll tell you. Uh, by the way, though, here. no Jair Alexander, cornerbacks, all pro cornerback for the. Green Bay Packers. So that's going to bode well for Cincinnati's passing game. All right. Next matchup here. New England Patriots taking on the Houston Texans. Patriots are favored by eight and a half points here. 39 and a half point total. This is a bizarre gambling 
spread here. You know, the, the, the Patriots favored by eight and a half. It's a large, large spread, but the point total is just 39 and a half under 40 points. Really weird. Like for the, for the Patriots to cover this, the, the Texans are again, like an implied what less than 10 points almost like they're really expecting a very poor showing from Texans offense. They got shut out last week against the Buffalo bills. Really, Texas are one of the teams I was most pessimistic about. And once Tyrod Taylor went down, it seemed like that pessimism was being fully realized. They really, I know Davis Mills looked competent somewhat in that Thursday night matchup in his debut, but it's been all downhill from there because he looked horrendous last week against Buffalo. What are your thoughts here for this matchup? You know, do you think there's a possibility that New England covers and the under hits? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at. <laughs> A ridiculous, yeah. This I, I'm still running this point total through my point total through my head with the spread, and it's it's a weird line to expect a team to win by nine points, but to have the over under only at thirty. Yeah. So really, they're not expecting the winning team. They're not. They're also not expecting the winning team to score a lot too. Yeah. If the over under is only forty, but. I mean, geez, Davis Mills has looked bad. He, he threw four interceptions in a game. And if Houston had Tyrod Taylor, I mean, this is an easy upset pick for me. But I, is there any way you can trust the Houston offense to put up enough points to be competitive against the Patriots? I get that they're starting Mac Jones, who's a rookie quarterback. And in week five, do you really want to trust that? No, but if there were a situation where you would, it would probably be with the New England Patriots, one of the better coach teams in the league, obviously. So eight and a half is a lot for a rookie quarterback to cover, but I think in this situation it's warranted and I'm going to be on the Patriots. Yep. And I'm on the Patriots as well. Mine's eight and a half. Look, New England looked really good last week. They had a uh, 63% success rate in the second half against the Bucks last week. That was when it, it was still a close game. You know, Mac Jones in crunch time was putting it together and really came down to, I think, a, a poor coaching decision to kick for that field goal. The, it was like a 56-yard field goal in the rain. Kicker three. Collinsworth was talking about it all night. He had a bat, had an injured plant leg, Nick Folk. And it seemed like the, it was obvious that it was the wrong decision. Everybody was saying, you know, this is, has to be a, a fake or some sort of, you know, trying to get them off sides or it was, they were going to call a timeout. Hard count, right? Yeah, they but, thought they were going to do a hard count. It, it just seemed like it was totally out of, the, um, you know, the typical expectation that you have for Belichick and his game management style. And um, I think that he really, he, he, he cut Mac Jones's night off short. I think Mac Jones had some magic left in him. He had one more play left. He looked in good him. on that drive. And... <laughs> If you're a Patriots fan, you have to come away from that game against the Bucks last week pretty optimistic about the team's overall picture. I think this is a team that continues to get better as the season progresses. And I, I, Houston's the opposite. Houston is a team that you can't be optimistic about going forward. Like they're they're just gonna get they're just gonna get worse and worse as as long as Tyra Taylor's out. I mean, Tyra Taylor's not not gonna change the needle, the move the needle one way or the other pretty far, yeah. but. The only fantasy asset you can start in this game is Brandon Cooks, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, move on. So I, I like I like the Wiggler to cover here. I like their defense to really stifle Houston's offense pretty well. Uh, I like I like the over on Damian Harris's rushing yardage totals. I think it was sixty nine and a half was the last time I checked. I think you know yeah. Houston is going to struggle to to stop him effectively. Um, 
Houston's I love that Houston's especially with James White out right you know yeah so they don't want to put JJ Taylor and Brandon Bolden on the field they obviously don't want to put Ramondre Stevenson so it's going to be a, a lot of Damian Harris especially sure. if they get out to a lead you look at Houston's defense too they rank dead last in adjusted line yards so they're really they're really not moving the offensive they're opposing offensive lines well um, giving up a lot of open space to opposing running backs. And I think it's going to be an opportunity for Damon Harris to have a bounce back game. He had, I think he strung together two pretty lackluster weeks in a row. I like his opportunity for a bounce back here against the Houston Texans. All right, Connor, next matchup. Chicago Bears taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders at home lane five and a half points. 44 and a half is the over under point total. This is an interesting game here because... If the Bears play to what you think they should do, I actually kind of like the opportunity for a cover here, and actually maybe even an outright win. If the Bears are do do things that if they if they scheme up an <laughs> offense that boat that plays to feels his strengths, if they if they fired Matt Nagy before this week, you mean? <laughs> well, Bill Lazor, like I said on the last podcast, Bill Lazor is taking over play calling responsibilities. It seems like, and so as long as Matt Nagy keeps his hands off of the the the, the play calling responsibilities, it seems like there is some reason for optimism with Bill Lazor calling plays. Because you look at the difference from week three to week four with Fields' and starts. In in week four, the Bears used 11 personnel just 40% of the time, 23 plays total. In week three, Nagy Collin plays, they used 11 personnel 86% of the time. The league average, by the way, 50, 58% of 11 personnel. They were successful in week three, 11 personnel plays 19% of the time. And using that, that grouping less in week four, their, their efficiency spiked up to 48%. So... The fact that they're using the extra blocker and using 12 personnel more, they use it 37% of their plays in week four. That's, you know, a big hike up from week three. Week three, they use it 12% of their their plays, five total, 21 total in week four. Uh, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you, but the gist of this is they're adding more blockers on the line. You know, they used Cole Komet, the tight end, as an extra blocker. They, they, numerous times last week they were not sending him out to run pass routes they were using him as an extra blocker gave fields more time in the pocket to make his reads make good throws he had a big throw to darnell mooney touchdown throw with cole Komet being used as that extra blocker last week so just kind of some 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 concerted efforts from laser to address the strengths of justin fields i think what they could do more of specifically is just using him in the rushing game more they need to let him use his legs uh, and and make the threat of you know those read pass options with Fields uh, more effective. You know if if you have to worry about Fields using his legs against you, it's going to make this whole offense more efficient. And these are all big ifs. You know, they're just like you know if if the Bears do this, if they do that, yeah. it's like <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. The potential is there. It's just, yeah, it's a, it, and, and honestly, if they put together a performance like they did last week, I know they faced the Detroit Lions defense that is horrendous. But if they have it, a, at least a very a similar offensive scheme that they had last week, I'm pretty optimistic about the the chances of covering the five and a half point spread here. I just, it's too many ifs for me. I like the Raiders. The Raiders have looked like one of the better teams this season, a surprise to many and, and one that's quickly become a fan favorite. Right. And, um, you know, I'm a little bit worried about Chicago with David Montgomery out. I don't think their running game is going to be as effective. And I just haven't seen them utilize the Justin Fields, the way 
he should be if he's going to if you're going to maximize his talent. So while you're pointing to some better trends in terms of he, in terms of his utilization, I don't think they're there yet. And I'm not sure that they get there in this game against the Las Vegas Raiders, who at this point are three and one, and they're one of the better teams in the league. They've overperformed while in every single situation, Chicago has underperformed expectations. And I, I expect that trend more to continue rather than the Chicago Bears figuring out how they should use Justin Fields in this in this specific game. Yeah. And and I kind of like Vegas, but my heart tells me that I think the Bears cover this one. Um, I, I think that the Bears are they they heard a lot of the criticism last week and and they reacted to it. Clearly, like Nagy would Nagy's a pretty arrogant sob. Like he's pretty he's pretty like he's not afraid of telling you how that he's the best and that he knows what he's talking about. And I actually think I think it means a lot that he handed handed the play calling responsibilities to Bill Laser. And I think it's pretty. He telling. reminds me a lot of my co-host. It's pretty. It's pretty <laughs> telling that he he didn't say anything pre pregame like i didn't hear anything about the change of play con responsibilities and i think that's kind of indicative of what we can expect from nagy like he doesn't want people to know that he's not the man in charge but he's he really the plan he clearly got told the by main, somebody <laughs> yeah. that the main priority for him though has to be winning football games and i think that's what they're starting to realize and, and implement with this scheme that they're trying to work up with fields because the guy is talented. Fields is a talented quarterback. And when you play to his strengths, I mean, last week he was five of six on play action. That's, that's important for a rookie quarterback with a, with a, a threat of a rushing game. You know, the rushing game for them was their bread and butter last week. They ran the ball 39 times and threw the ball just 18. And what the, what did that do? They opened up the play action for Fields, who had 86 yards on had a 14.33 yards per attempt on play action. So those types of things are schemes that you know puts fields in successful situations i like the chance of them continuing those trends going forward um you know the bears the key is their defense going they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play better on limiting explosive plays they're right now they're 23rd in preventing explosive plays that's uh they have a 10 percent explosive play rate for their defense um the raiders that's been their their method to success this season they, I think, are fifth in explosive play rate right now. And really, it's just like t- Carr is just flinging it downfield as often as he can. If there's something open there for him, he's going to he's gonna try to hit. And Chicago's defense, they have some injuries. Akeem Hicks is doubtful despite practicing uh, today. He practiced on Friday. He's doubtful, apparently, though. Khalil Mack is questionable. Um, but the, uh, the I think... The Bears' offense is going to be able to keep pace. I think you know Vegas is they're banged up in their in their secondary. Their their secondary is already thin, and they already and they have cornerbacks uh, Trayvon Mullen with a foot injury, Damon Arnett who the grunt injury. They didn't practice all week. Don't seem likely to play. I don't really know who's going to even be playing cornerback for the Vegas uh, the Vegas team. So I think there's there's injuries on both sides of the defensive the these these defensive units. I think it bodes well for the over if anything. And I, I like I like for Chicago's offense to keep improving. And keep the lid on Vegas' deep throws, possibly. I think Chicago is um, a, good, a good opportunity for a five-and-a-half-point cover. You know, might even be like an underdog sneaky sneaky win, underdog parlay, um, money line parlay here for, you know, probably like plus 200-something um, for their money line. So I kind of like that value as well. I'm not saying it's likely. It probably 
when I, I, you know, gun to my head, you pick the Raiders to win this football game. They're the better team, but this offense could c- continue to improve for the Bears. And if that's the case, they they're definitely going to be competing with Vegas in this game. All right, buddy. So you're on the you're on the Raiders minus five and a half. I'm on the Bears plus five and a half. All right, next matchup: the Cleveland Browns taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers minus two. And this point total is 46 and a half. This is one of the better games of the week. Chargers are one of the darling dark horses in the NFL right now. A lot of people really loving their optimism and their future, you know, outlook. They're gone from, you know, plus 490 preseason to win the AFC West. And now they're plus 240. They're one of the uh, the AFC's favorite teams right now. And I think their their Super Bowl odds have dipped from like, I think they were like plus 3,600 to start the year. Now they're I think like plus I think they're less than two thousand, or right around there. Uh, meaning, like you bet a hundred dollars, you get two thousand. So, um, Herbert and the Chargers, their, their passing game is up to fifth in success rate in the league, fifty-three percent. They're sixth in PF. Herbert is sixth in PFF's passing grade. Um, really, just two really good teams here, and the Browns. You know, they had a uh, a back and forth battle against the Minnesota Vikings last week, won fourteen to seven. And Baker, you know, had the third worst completion percentage over expected last week in week four, had a negative 13.5 completion percentage over expected. And he's going to need to play. He's going to need to play better against L.A. because um, the Chargers are going to score more than seven points than which is what the Vikings scored last week. So pretty confident saying that. So what are your thoughts here with this matchup between the Browns and Chargers? I love the Chargers, man. They, they've only continued to uh, prove my hypothesis that they were one of the best teams in the league correct this season. And with only a two-point spread, I mean, I'm just all in on them. They're, they're the healthier team. They've been fantastic from an offensive and defensive perspective, both sides of the ball. And Herbert has only continued to uh, play like the rookie of the year as he was last year. He's clearly the best quarterback in that class, and he's even progressed – to the point where he was able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, something that we really didn't think was going to be possible for the Chargers this season. And so when you're talking about playing the Cleveland Browns, I, I think they're a, definitely a worse team. They're, they're worse from a quarterback perspective. They're worse from a health perspective. And I think they're going to come in and win this game, and I think they're going to do it pretty handily. The, I think this is going to be a great game played between two really good teams. But what I do like is the, the Browns have the edge heavily in the trenches. The Browns stay consistently competitive with their elite offensive line and defensive lines. Their offensive line right now ranks second adjusted line yards, meaning that their their running backs have a plethora of holes and they are first in pass block win rate. The Browns offensive line, 72% pass block win rate. Chargers pass rush will prove to be a critical factor in this matchup because they're going to need to make Baker Mayfield uncomfortable. Baker's infamous for struggling under pressure. But the Chargers are ninth in pass rush and win rate right now, 49%. That's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Their defensive line, the, the Browns, that is, the, the Browns defensive line ranks first in pass rush win rate, 59%, and their third in run stop win rate, 34%. Right now, Miles Garrett is a early season favorite for defensive player of the year. The Browns have been dominating in the trenches, and that's what's been fueling their success. 
given their the opportunities for the running backs. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have been hurt, have been uh, terrific in fantasy formats, and I think that trend's going to definitely continue in this one. I like, you know, I, I think with with two, these two teams so close in talent, I know you're going to go with Herbert because of the strong with the strong edge at quarterback over Baker, but. I, I, Part of me thinks that this is going to be a Browns game. You know, the Browns take the significant edge in the trenches, and that's where I think this game's going to be won. I really like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to have big games against the Chargers defense that is 29th in team run-stop win rate, just 27%. I think he, uh, the running backs for the Browns really get the job done here for their offense and win this football game for them. I like the Cleveland Browns plus two to cover the spread. I mean, you're wrong, but fine. <laughs> I feel you, but you're a big Herbert guy. I understand. I don't. I'm, I'm anti. And I'm actively anti Baker as well. I don't believe in Baker to make the right decisions at the end of the game. I don't. If it comes down to a one score game and two minutes left, I have zero confidence that Baker is going to lead that team down the field. He's completely destroyed Odell Beckham's career after being one of the Giants' best receivers ever. Um, so no, I, I don't think the Browns are good. I don't think Baker Mayfield's good, and I think they're going to lose this game to the Chargers. Baker's a game manager at this point in his career. He's not. He's not going to yeah, move the needle one point or the other. Good. He's good. He's, but he's they, not that's bad. exactly Don't why. Be, but but Herbert is a game winner, and I'm going to take a game winner over game manager every time when I think that the rest of the roster is comparable. When when the defensive line for the Browns sacks Herbert five or six times in this game. Don't don't come crying to me. All right. Hey, but you know Austin Eckler is the perfect somebody to you know a quick running back screen pass is the best way we'll be to offset a blitz. Cleveland's defense. Sure, 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 sure. I think you and I need to put some personal dough on this one on the head to head. I think Cleveland wins this football game outright. All right, next game. Oh, let's go. New York Giants taking on the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. The Cowboys are favored by seven points. The point total is 52. Tell me about your Giants in this one. Do they have a chance? To, is, is this an opportunity for them to just shock the, the football world and, and upset the, the Dallas Cowboys, who are everybody's early season darling, just putting up points and Dak looks great, comeback player of the year. Like, Is there a chance that Giants cover this spread, win the football game? Is like, Is, is that even in the cards here? Win the football game, no. Cover the spread, absolutely. The reason why I'm on the Giants here is because Dallas has utilized the run game when they can. They're not trying to absolutely run up the score and put away teams. They're running out the clock in these games, and they're winning close games. They're not winning blowouts. So this is not the Dak Prescott 5,000-yard season. Their defense is performing better. And so they're relying on Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, which means they're not blowing teams out. So in in a spread where the Giants are given seven points, Daniel Jones has shown to be effective enough to keep games close. The Giants have lost three games by less than this point spread this season, or actually won one and lost two. Uh, the first week against Denver was, was greater than the spread. But at three games this season, they would have covered this type of spread. I think the Giants will be fine and they will do enough to lose by less than a touchdown. But I, I think they'll lose because I'm a Giants fan and a pessimist overall. <laughs> you have no confidence in your team, buddy. Of course not. But they'll they cover the first, spread. They got their know? first hey, win of the season last year. You could, they got their first win of the season. And I was talking to you about last this week, earlier. Yeah. Danny Dimes, first in PFF's passing grade over the last four, after the last three weeks. Um, they've looked good throwing the ball to the Giants. They're eighth in passing success, 50, 51%. Um, and you know, behind 
behind Brady Jones is just uh, over the full season in PFF's passing grade. So it's good company there, again, compared to the GOAT. Cowboys, you know, they're one of the league's top teams, though. You heard it here, folks. Daniel Jones. <laughs> Tom Brady. As, best, <laughs> as good as Tom Brady. There you go. Hey. Right there. ATA. <laughs> Stamp it. <laughs> Cowboys are a really good team, man. They uh, they put the pan- the Panthers in their place last week. They they uh, they proved that, you know, the Panthers 3-0 start was nice, but they're a couple steps below the level of Dallas right now. So, you know, Dallas's offense, they're great. It's it's easy to talk about them. They're They're... The key matchup here, though, for Dallas's, uh, you know, chances of covering the spread is the defense because, um, you know, the Cowboys defense right now ranks second. The Cowboys um, defense ranks 10th in DVOA. And, you know, Trayvon Diggs has been the story of their season so far. Five interceptions in four games. The linebacker, rookie linebacker Micah Parsons has been this defense's best player, essentially, through the first four weeks. He's been awesome for them. He's done an excellent excellent job for them and this team he plays everywhere on the field he, yeah. he, he's he's a cornerback safety linebacker d lineman he's he's everywhere man michael parsons is awesome yeah the um this this organization has done so well drafting that you you could make an argument that this team might be the number one team in terms of draft success over the last few years they've got a number of blue chippers that they've added across their roster via the draft over recent seasons and um Zeke, Dak, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, Trayvon. I mean, they, every single one of them. They seem to get, they seem, all across the board. They've seemed to fall into draft slots over recent years that, like, you know, other teams are like, man, I can't believe that that guy dipped to them. That guy fell to them. I can't believe mm-hmm. they got they, – they just, like, they ended up being able to select the best player on the board, not even necessarily picking the guy that fit their roster the best. Like, they drafted C.D. Right. Lamb. They already have Michael already Gallup have and Amari Cooper. Like those are oh, yeah, two exactly. receivers that they were pretty optimistic about. But CeeDee Lamb was probably the number one receiver on a lot of people's boards in that draft. So Micah Parsons was one of the favorites of the defensive difference makers in this this last draft. And he fell to them, I think, what was it, like eighth or ninth or something like that? Or I think it was even lower than that. And he's been an excellent defensive. He's been like leading their defense right now. And he's mm-hmm. destined to uh, probably be in the middle of that defense for years to come. And the biggest surprise, like I said, Trayvon Diggs, five interceptions in four games. He's been incredible. So that's going to be the matchup to watch because, like I said earlier, too, the Giants' offense has been surprisingly pretty well this year. And that, as an organization in the whole, they haven't been the most fun team to bet on this year. The Giants, that is. You know, they're 2-2, two and two, I think, in, against the spread so far. Uh, but this offense, I think, for New York is a little bit underrated. And I think it gives them some value at plus seven in this game. Like you said, I don't necessarily think they're likely to win the game outright. But I do like the chances to cover. I like what I've seen from Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, all in the passing game. They're yeah. doing well there. I'm optimistic they're going to be able to move the ball well enough to keep pace with Dallas in this game. I think they're going to be able to keep it at least within one score, keep it a close game. I'm with you there. New York Giants plus seven. I'm looking forward to watching this one, though. Yeah, a chance that Shepard or Slayton plays too. So if either one of them plays, you know, obviously a boon to their offense as well. Both, you know, solid playmakers. And Barkley finally looks healthy. He looked really healthy in that Saints win. You know, two touchdowns, a couple long, explosive plays, which we've been waiting to see from Saquon. And that's kind of what we heard since the preseason is that the first few weeks of the season, he's going to be on a limited count, limited snap count, um, you know, because he's still recovering from what was a major knee surgery. But right now he looks nearly back to full health. And if Saquon Barkley's nearly back to full health, 
he slots back as one of the top five running backs in the league. With you there, buddy. All right, next matchup, San Francisco 49ers taking on the Arizona Cardinals. We've got three more, Connor. Cardinals minus four and a half. The over under point total is 50. Arizona's the hottest team in football right now. They're the last undefeated team after beating the Rams last week. Rolling in hot. Kind of in an unfamiliar situation for them. I don't know how many times you could talk about the Arizona Cardinals with this big of a target on their back. Are they used to being in this situation with high expectations and being the league's you know only un- remaining undefeated team? It's unfamiliar for them. And they come to this matchup, and you know, I think if Jimmy G is playing this game for the San Francisco 49ers, I'd probably like the Niners in this matchup, but... They're rolling out the rookie quarterback, Trey Lance, Jimmy G with the calf injury. It's a, it, it, The Niners had an unfortunate loss last week to Seattle, but the story of, of their game was of two halves. I mean, the first half, Jimmy G was quarterbacking. They had a success rate of 50% on offense. They had they they had the edge tremendously in the first half. The Niners had 219 yards on, on offense in the first half. The Seahawks had just 80 yards in first half in first half offense so the Niners dominated the first half but they they went to the halftime break with a seven they were tied at seven to seven so really just like had a lot of misfortune for them in the first half and um you know Trey Lance comes out to start the second half he had a 39 percent success rate passing the ball a lot of his stats were just boosted from a completely blown coverage from the Seattle Seahawks one of the worst blown coverages I've seen in quite a long time because not only was he wide open, Trey Lance underthrew him. It was a terrible pass. And Debo was just sat, uh, camped under it for what felt like five seconds, got the pass, and just took it to the house. Horrendous defense from the Seattle Seahawks. And if it, if it wasn't for that one play, Trey Lance would have had some horrendous stats from the game. So he goes into this matchup against the Arizona Cardinals with a lot of question marks. You know, it's, it is encouraging. You know, Kyle Shanahan is one of the better coaches in the league. He's clearly been drafting up a playbook that is going to bode well for Lance's six uh, strengths, and he's going to unleash more plays for Lance in this game. But it's a, it's a rookie it's a rookie quarterback quarterback debut, and the the spread's only four and a half against one of the league's best teams, and really just comes down to I, I'll expect improvement from Lance this week coming off the full week of practice and preparation, but. I just don't think this San Francisco offense is going to be able to keep up with the Arizonas based on what we've seen from Kyler Murray and that red-hot Arizona offense. There, I'd like them to win, cover, and go 5-0 and after this week. Yeah, I see this game very similarly. Um, you know, I, I'm going to ride the team that's 4-0 and undefeated and absolutely on fire. And, you know, when something happens four weeks in a row, there's usually a reason for it. And Kyler Murray's playing like the, you know, MVP, most vicious player on the season so far. So I'm absolutely going to continue riding that wave. San Francisco starting a rookie quarterback in his first ever start. So in that situation, there's always bumps in the road. And for that reason, a four and a half line, it's, it's less than a touchdown. For me, it, it's a pretty easy pick to go with Arizona. And because of that, you know, San Francisco is going to win the game. <laughs> Next matchup. This is the game of the week for me. Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. This is a rematch of the 2020 AFC Championship and it was a great game then. I think it's going to be a great game now. The Chiefs are favored by three points. The over-under point total, I think it's the highest of the week, 56 and a half. Sunday Night Football poses to be one of my favorite games of the week. Last week, Buffalo 
dominate on all fronts. They had the best defensive DVOA performance in a single game ever measured by DVOA, all the way back to 1983. They had a negative 134.4% DVOA performance. Unbelievable performance from their defense last week. And total DVOA, they had the, I think, 8th or ninth ranked overall since 1983. So historically dominating performance from Buffalo, riding in hot as... My my number one team in my power rankings, the most well-rounded roster, I think, in the NFL right now. It's going to be an awesome matchup to see against the Chiefs. They have two shutouts. They have two shutouts on the season it's, already. It's so hard to shut out a football team. It is so hard. To have two in four weeks, to have a 50% shutout rate, that means if they scored a field goal, they would have won both of those games. It, that's freaking nuts, dude. I feel like I would have been able to like move my team even if I was quarterback like at least thirty yards on one drive to get a field goal. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Throw up a bomb, you know. I, you have a talented offensive players. How can you not happen once? Yeah. This is gonna be a really exciting matchup because the 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 one to watch is Kansas City's number one ranked offense in success rate. Their number one success rate and EPA per play on their offense. But the Bills have the top ranked defensive DVOA. So how is that side of the football going to look? You got the number one offense against the number one defense. I can't wait to see how that shakes out. And I think based on the early season results against the Chiefs, you know, the Browns, Chargers, and Ravens all kind of showed a decent template to how to how to, you know, attack this def- this uh Chiefs offense. You double you double Tyreek Hill, you put your best cover corner on on Travis Kelsey, and you limit their big play potential. So we'll see if the Bills kind of take that template and, and try to pre- perfect it. But it it's uh it's a revenge game for them. You know, they they lost last year against the Chiefs in in the AFC afc championship and they're gonna they're gonna be out for blood in, in this matchup and i think that, you know the bills have probably had this game circled all season long they probably went into the preseason with this game on their minds they had week five circled in their in their calendar because this is the game that they all they were looking forward to the chiefs are the team that they that the chiefs are the team to beat in the afc and the bills are trying to take that that crown from them and i think this is going to be an exciting matchup to watch yeah, I mean, this is this is honestly the game of the week and maybe the game of the season. And this is a rivalry we're going to be seeing for the next 10 years between Mahomes and Allen. And, I mean, I can't wait to watch. This is going to be so much fun. It, it's such a great game. Um, but because history is on the side of the Chiefs and we have more of a history of them being the better team, in addition, you know, I just love Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen hasn't shown the same pedigree and – in a big game, in a rivalry like this, I'm going to just typically lean the better quarterback. That's what history has shown out, that the better quarterback wins over the, uh, over these type of rivalry matchups. And yeah, that's such a tough game to pick. The, the Bills have looked amazing, but I'm just not ready yet after a quarter of yeah. the season to say that the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, this kind of has the vibes of the, the way that I handicapped the Super Bowl last year between the Bucks and the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs had obviously the better offense. They had Patrick Mahomes, and that was kind of like you gave the Bucks the advantage in you know the offensive line, the pass or like the the, the defense, and they had all these different advantages across the board. But then you were like, but the Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes, and that's kind of how this mm. one feels. Like the Bills have the best roster in the NFL. They have the most well-rounded roster in the NFL. 
and they have the they have one of the league's best defenses. I know they faced kind of a lackluster schedule over the last few weeks, um, and that probably has to do some. I don't think they're the best defense in the league, but they're one of them. And you know, on the contrast, the Chiefs have right now the worst ranked defense in the NFL, 32nd in DVOA, and I think that's what this comes down to. My pick, Buffalo plus three. I think the Bills have the Bills defense has a a path to at least slowing down Kansas City's offense enough for this Buffalo Bills offense that has been excellent with Josh Allen really showing that he knows what he's doing. Those first couple of weeks where he had a slow start were kind of more of a fluke than anything, I believe. Um, looking more like his his self last year, and um, I th- I think the the Kansas City Chiefs don't have any way to stifle the Bills' offense, and I think the Bills' defense has at least some ways that they could stifle the Kansas City offense. So I, I think that I, I like the Bills having just kind of the matchup edge here, and um, it feels like you know I was on the Bucks last year because of all the well-rounded advantages they had in the game. I like the Bills similarly here against the Chiefs in Week Five. I think the Bills plus three is a good bet. Yeah, I think you you perfectly summed up my argument. It's but Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, that's really that's what it. it comes down to. That's it. All right, Monday Night Football, the last game on our docket, Connor. We're, we're getting here. We're, we've recorded about four, almost four hours of – it feels like four hours of, of podcast Let's content. Let's go, dude. It oh. felt like 20 minutes with you, man. I love talking sports. <laughs> Couldn't get enough. Indiana- if we were back in Holy Cross dorm room back in the day, you know, chopping it up on the hill, this would have been all night, yeah. you know. We wouldn't even have a microphone. <laughs> Same conversation. I'm with you there, buddy. Indianapolis Colts taking on the Baltimore Ravens in Monday Night Football. The Ravens are favored by seven points. The over-under point total, 45 and a half. This is an interesting matchup here. I, I think Baltimore is a really good team. I, I loved what I saw from – I mean, it's kind of funny. I loved the, uh, the the effort at the end of the game to go get that 100-yard consecutive game streak for the Ravens. Like, it shows they just have some moxie and, like, they care about things that, like, aren't necessarily like, going to get them the win or the loss. Like, they just, like, care about morale. Team, like, they want they want that for their team. It matters Every to them. Every single player on that roster wanted to continue that streak, and you know that. And it's important when a coach takes that into consideration yeah. when – when George Kittle was like 10 yards away from breaking the touchdown or the, the tight end receiving record when he had like 260 in a game yeah. and they didn't get it for him, everybody looked to Shanahan and said, why the hell didn't you do that? You know what I mean? Like when the coach knows that a player's either bonus is on the line, like when Tom Brady got Antonio yeah. Brown like 12 targets in that last game of the season, the players love that type of camaraderie. Yeah. So I, I, I'm loving this point you're making right now. Yeah. Baltimore just feels like a team that, like they've always had this reputation for like they just they don't want to just beat you they want to beat the shit out of you like they they just want to dominate and they want they want to leave no doubt and I'm not afraid of leaving the seven points in this Monday night matchup I think the Colts are some some their win last week was a little bit of fool's gold I talked about this with Miami they had just a 39 percent success rate on offense last week the Colts did they had a 35 percent success rate passing the ball this offense is so discombobulated and you look at you know Carson Wentz's matchup last year against the uh, when he was on the Eagles against the Ravens he took six sacks and had 17 quarterback hits let me repeat that six sacks and 17 quarterback hits against the Ravens last week the Ravens had his number and he was definitely sore after that game the Colts right now they rank 25th in team pass block win rate and 20th in adjusted sack rate I think Baltimore's defense dominates on the on the defensive front I think they really make Wentz uncomfortable in this matchup 
And I just don't see how the, the Colts offense will be able to keep up with the Ravens who has been looking better as the season's gone on. They're starting to figure out this running back situation that they had. Latavius Murray last week had a 60% success rate running the ball. The Ravens as a team had a 59% success rate running the ball. Murray had 18 carries, 59 yards. He had one explosive run, one touchdown. He had four first downs. And... You know, Denver's game plan as a defense last week against Baltimore was to keep Lamar in the pocket, prevent him from running the football, and they kind of did that. And what did Lamar do? They forced him to throw the ball, and what did Lamar do? He threw the ball, and he threw the ball one of his best career, best throwing career uh, games so far. Threw first 316 yards, 22 for 37, 96.2 passer rating, had five explosive plays throwing the ball, one touchdown, had a 50% success rate. Lamar is starting to show a lot of improvement on that side of his game and it's highly encouraging for Baltimore. This was a team that I I want to dis I, I want to like be down about but I just Baltimore week in and week out knows how to win football games and I think it's going to continue in this matchup. I really like Baltimore to win this game big. Baltimore minus 7 is one of my better bets of the week. Oh, I think it comes down to the organization and the coaching too. You know, they've really tailored this team to be successful sure. even when they're unhealthy. So even when these running backs go down, they have a game plan in place to make up for that type of situation. And then the leap in Lamar Jackson's passing this year has been clearly visible. Marquise Brown being healthy and on the field has been huge to their success and very important. You know, he's relying less on the tight ends, less on the, you know, the previous season, the Nick Boyles, Hayden Hurst and the Mark Andrews. And he's looking to Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown on the outside, Rashad Bateman coming back to this roster. I mean, I think this offense can do some special things. Lamar Jackson looks better and better every time we see him. And and I like the energy that the Baltimore Ravens have this year. They're definitely a team that I'm rooting for. On the other hand, the Colts, I mean, they were a preseason darling, a team that we both believed in that could have a lot of upside potential with Carson Wentz. You know, they looked like a decent team last year with Phillip Rivers, right? They, I think they went 11 and five. So we said, you know, when Carson Wentz is playing to his best, if you add him to this roster, this should be an incredibly successful team. And yet they've been everything but in the games this year. And I have no confidence that the Colts will have any type of success season long. And especially against a team that's, looking as strong as the Ravens have lately. Yeah. And I like the point you had about the game management and the coaching with Baltimore because in contrast, there's been a lot of question marks with Frank Reich and the Indianapolis coaching decisions. Their game management has been questionable at best. We talked about this on previous podcasts where it's a lot of the fourth down decisions, a lot of the, the whether or not to kick a field goal decisions have been highly questionable to say the least. So I, I think that the coaching edge is definitely in Harbaugh's favor for the Ravens as well. So, I think it's all points to Baltimore. We're, we're both Baltimore minus seven. All right, buddy. That's going to do it here for our picks against the line. Let's roll into some quick daily fantasy lineups here. We're doing really well in our fantasy results. Connor, can you talk to me about the results that we've had in our first four weeks in our, date, our DFS lineups? All right. So I got the fantasy stats pulled up so far in terms of DFS. And to this point this season through four weeks, both of us are cashing 75% of the time. So that's six out of eight plays. 
which is a fantastic success rate. If you're a professional gambler, you absolutely know that's well above a sustainable gambling uh, trend. And then if you look at our point totals, I'm averaging 134 uh, and 145 through the past three weeks. So if you throw out week one, I'm even doing better week one, you know, we're still learning still a lot of trends to be understood. So from that point forward, absolutely crushing it. Uh, I'm in the 38th percentile. So basically close to the top third of rosters uh, through four weeks played. Ben, you are averaging 128 points per week, not far behind. Also, three out of four lineups cashing. And through your last four weeks, you're averaging 130. So even better still if you X out week one, you know, again, still learning. But, you know, we hope to continue this success in week five. And, uh, you know, I think our picks this week are looking pretty good. All right, buddy. Do you want you want to do yours first? Or you want me to do mine? I'm happy to jump right into it. Go ahead. I always like when we have a couple players that are similar on, on our roster because you know we generally have uh, some pretty good opinions so far. And to this point, oh, one thing I, I also wanted to bring up just last week, our best week yet. I put up one sixty five point five. You put up one sixty five point six. So you just edged me out, but ah, dude, we it. absolutely crushed it. <laughs> you you had the best performing quarterback of the week with Sam Darnold. You, we both had Derrick Henry in our rosters who smashed for twenty nine points, and then I had, of course, Cordero Patterson, who was my claim to fame with thirty four. You your roster was just steady. Dawson Knox twenty one, an absolute value pick. Kadarius Tony fourteen, DK sixteen, Stephon Diggs twenty two. So just your roster throughout performed, and we both ended up in the top ten percent of lineups. So when you're talking about that in a big tournament, you're actually cashing for a decent amount of money, which is what we want all of our listeners to do every week. Definitely, definitely. All right, buddy, let's hear your lineup for week five of the NFL season. All right, so week five, I'm taking a quarterback in his first starting game this season. I'm going with Trey Lance, but this is typically when we can find the value on these guys. That's the reason the past two weeks I suggested Justin Fields as a possible long shot, which didn't happen to pay out. But I think Trey Lance could in a week of uh, in a half game of action last week, he put up 20 points. He's only 5,700. I like his rushing game to provide a safe floor. He's a strong value this week. And because I'm spending down there, I'm paying up for Derrick Henry, right? He's just been an absolute lock, a smash. When Christian McCaffrey is out, he's the next guy who is the most locked in and in, in uh, you know, to be most successful in terms of a fantasy roster. I'm then picking Damian Williams, who's only 5,600, filling in for David Montgomery because he's the backup filling in on, he's going to give you a little bit of extra value in terms of his cost. Wide receiver one, I'm going with DJ Moore, who has just been on fire every single week of the season. He's Sam Darnold's favorite place to throw the ball. 24 points per game. He is a lock in my roster. Marvin Jones, with DJ Chark going out, I think he sees an increased target share at 5,700. Absolutely love his value. Jalen Waddle's only 4,800, and he's going against the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Tampa Bay Bucks are typically very difficult against the run. Miles Gaskin only had two carries last week for three yards. Malcolm Brown had eight carries for, I don't know, a handful of yards. This team is not running the ball well. They're going to rely on the short passing game. And DraftKings is PPR scoring. So Jalen Waddle should handle a large target, uh, large target share next week. 
Uh, my tight end, Max Williams, he's questionable right now. So make sure you watch out for this one. He may not play, but if he does, he's only 3,400. And in two out of four weeks, he's absolutely boomed with Kyler Murray when he scores a touchdown. Uh, in my flex, I have Damian Harris. So, uh, Ben, I think you have him in your flex too, just to foreshadow your lineup a little bit. A guy we both like against this Houston defense, which we think the New England Patriots get out to a hefty lead, and Damian Harris stays involved all game long. He should provide decent value. And at defense, I have the Chargers against Cleveland. Cleveland likes to run the ball, so typically they don't run up the score, which is good for a DFS defense at only 2,700. The Chargers are one of the most more talented uh, defenses in the league. Joey Bosa, Derwin James, they can always take one to the house. Uh, we like that for a DFS defense. I like it, buddy. I think we're going to have some good lineups this week. All right, let me get into mine. I'm going with Daniel Jones, the number one, My guy. The number one <laughs> PFF graded quarterback over the last three weeks. Daniel Jones facing the Dallas Cowboys, who have a secondary that has been giving up a good amount of, of fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, just $6,000 for Danny Dimes. I'd like the passing game for this Giants to continue to improve as the season progresses. Give me Alvin Kamara in my RB1 spot. Alvin Kamara has been somebody that, you know, people who drafted him in fantasy formats are a little bit disappointed in his start so far. But I think we see a big breakout game here against the Washington football team who has a defensive unit that is has been very susceptible to big games so far to opposing running backs. I'd like Kamara in this matchup against the, the, the Washington football team that has a, t- a defense that, they just they're not they're not meeting expectations so far. And so I think that the uh the Saints here are are due for a big game against the football team. I, I like Kamara in this matchup. I think they go out to an early lead and they ride Kamara all the way home to a big victory for the Saints. Give me Nick Chubb in my RB2 spot, rocking with two good art running backs in this in this slate of games. I'm going Nick Chubb against the Chargers, 6,700. I think the Chargers, what did I say in my preview? I think they're like the 23rd, 27th, something in that range of a rush defense. I think Chubb is going to have a lot of running room in this game. I like him for a big one. Um, and like I said, we talked about this with the handicap. Baker's not going to be winning this game for them. It's going to be the running backs, and it's going to be that offensive line for the Browns. I like Chubb for a big one in this matchup against the Chargers. And then give me some Mike Evans against the Miami Dolphins as my wide receiver one on the week, $6,800. Tampa Bay, I think, could run up the score big against Miami. And the reason, and we, I talked about the threat of a back backdoor cover for Miami from a game handicap standpoint but i think mike evans is going to be you know focused as one of the the main targets here for the buccaneers i think tom brady is going to want to you know he's 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 familiar with the bucks and he wants to um he really wants to uh do well against a a miami dolphins team that he has had a history of success against and while the bucks are not necessarily familiar against miami from uh you know recent standpoint they don't face them very often once every four years they Tom Brady has faced the Miami Dolphins, and he's done very well against them. So give me some Mike Evans as Brady's probably number one passing option in this week. My wide wide receiver two spot, C.D. Lamb against the New York Giants. I think C.D. Lamb is just due for a big game. He's had two kind of mediocre lackluster weeks in a row. It's time for him to have another breakout game. He had a big week one and week two game, um, followed by two lackluster ones. I really like his opportunity to break out here against this Giants defense. I think this game gets high scoring in Dallas. Similarly, in that same vein, Kadarius Tony with the New York Giants, someone who I was on last week as a value play. I'm going back to the well, double dipping here. $4,000 for Kadarius Tony. 
I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep nailing this until they raise the price on him because he has the dra- draft pedigree, he has the work usage. I really like his opportunity for a great value, just four thousand dollars. I'm going back to the well there. Give me Tyler Conklin in my tight end spot. Conklin thirty five hundred dollars. I think Minnesota runs the score up against Detroit. Conklin caught, I think, a t- touchdown, two touchdowns over the last three weeks. He's doing really well for Minnesota this year. He's questionable. He was questionable uh, earlier in the week, but it looks like he's going to be playing now. I, I think they removed the questionable tag on him. And uh, I like this I like this Minnesota offense going over on their team total. I like the opportunity for points scored. I think Conklin has a good game for them. Give me Damian Harris in my flex spot. Connor, I talked about him. $5,500. I just, you know, Houston's defense is horrendous. And uh, I, I think the Patriots get out to an early lead in this game. And I think they ride Harris heavily. Um, the, you know, the, the worry with Harris is when New England gets down and they're forced to use the passing game. I don't think that's going to be the case here. Uh, he's going to be the, you know, if New England's controlling this matchup from the start, they're going to be riding their, you know, their workload back. And wouldn't be surprised to see Harris get similar work it, workload that he got in week one when he saw, um, I think, over 20, 23 carries or so, over 100 yards. Wouldn't be surprised to see that again here in week five. And then similarly, going with the Chargers at the defensive position, uh, you know, 2,700. I think that, you know, the, I, I, both these teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Chargers, kind of um, match up similarly. And when you see two teams comp- like – with such similar talent level, I think that what we're going to see is just kind of a back and forth battle. And I wouldn't be surprised to see some turnovers in this game. And I think that's going to bode well for the Chargers defense from a fantasy perspective. I think they're a decent value here. Uh, just 2700 It's really hard to find a defense this week priced lower than that that I'm willing to put in my lineup. So 2700 Chargers, you know, give me some some Joey Bosa and maybe a, a, a sack or fumble recovery, maybe an interception from Asante Samuel Jr., who I really like. I think the Chargers defense could be in line for a decent game from a fantasy perspective. Love it. All right, buddy. I love that you're on my Giants, man. I, Daniel Jones, Kadarius Tony. A little stack there. I, I think, yeah, one thing you'll notice about Ben's roster is he has the stack. Uh, with the quarterback and the wide receiver, which oftentimes there's a large correlation in terms of success. You'll notice I don't have a stack on my team, but that's because I'm picking a quarterback because of his rushing ability. So I don't think you necessarily need to have the stack there because Trey Lance can be extremely successful without a wide receiver being successful if he puts in a couple rushing touchdowns. The same can be said for Jalen Hurts or you know a similar type of player. So I think those are the situations where if you're playing – in a tournament or a head-to-head and you're saying oh how do i build correlation well if you do pick a russian quarterback you don't necessarily need to have that same type of build for sure all right buddy want to read off your roster one last time really quick before we wrap it up Trey lance Derek henry damian williams dj moore marvin jones jr jalen waddle max, max williams Prince. Yeah, I was going to say, I was almost throwing a Mike Williams real quick. Damien Harris, and then the Chargers defense. I like it. All right, Daniel Jones, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, Mike Evans, C.D. Lamb, Kadarius Tony, Tyler Conklin, Damien Harris, and the Chargers D. All right, Connor, that's going to do it here for episode 85 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. Those are our picks against the line for the NFL's Week 5 can't believe uh we're already a quarter of the way through the season i can't wait for what the season has in store for us we're off to a great start and i'm looking forward to continuing it with you here 
on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun breaking it down with you, buddy. And um, hopefully we continue to see some success here in our analysis. I think as the season progresses, the data gets under, um, you know, more prevalent, more significant. We're going to be using that to our advantage and we're going to start to do better, I think. Um, you know, despite, you know, we've been pretty successful early on. I think it's going to get only easier for us going forward with the amount of time and analysis we put into it. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I mean, make sure you check out the DFS picks of the week. We're going to highlight some more value picks and some more long shots last week. In our long shots, I called out Kadarius Tony. In our value picks, we called out Sam Darnold. So these are the type of guys who were on the winning rosters of the week, the Millie Makers. And these are the difference makers that can be on your team. So make sure you check out our content. Ben's best bets always coming out every single week with that fire. You know, you coming back a little bit last week off of a, a rough start in the, in the first couple of weeks, our picks against the spread. You did awesome last week. We'll have to check out how I did, but we had a lot of similarity in our picks. So hopefully I did well too. Uh, and you know, so this is the type of stuff that's right there available for free on our website. So make sure you check out all Well said buddy. All right, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review vicious talk with Benny P on all your podcast platforms. And also, Connor, don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? <laughs>